Last night I shared um, from Psalms 103. And I've shared that at most healing services. I've shared parts of that. And last night I, I kind of stressed something a little bit, at least I felt I was stressing something a little bit different, and that would have been in the first couple verses uh, of that psalm, the way it starts out. And it's a psalm that most people credit David to writing. And he's just pouring out his heart. He's being very human. And it starts out, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and everything that's in me. Bless His holy name. And he repeats himself, Bless the Lord, all my soul. And forget none of His benefits. Last night, we talked about salvation. We talked about healing. We talked about being redeemed from the pit. You know, because of sin, until we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it would be nice if we could believe that there was nothing more, but there is. We're all going to live eternally. It's just a matter of where. And He redeemed us from the pit. He has redeemed us from hell because of what Jesus did. When we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we now are going to be permanent citizens of heaven in His presence forever. Forget none of His benefits. And one of the benefits is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You know, when he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, you know, a rhetorical question I would ask myself, and I, I would encourage you to ask yourselves, when we're worshiping God, when you're worshiping God, whether it's privately, in your own home, or wherever you worship the Lord, or in your car, wherever it is, or when it's corporately as we gather together, can you honestly say, you know, I am going to bless the Lord. I am going to worship Him. I am going to praise Him with all my soul. What does that even mean? Everything within me blesses holy name. Our soul with our mind, our will, our emotions. And then the psalmist goes on and he takes it beyond just the mind, will, and emotions, our affections. He goes on and basically he, he paints a picture that we need to worship Him with the entirety of who we are. Our physical body should be involved in worship. And as I, as I think about that in my own life, you know, um, you know <clears throat> there was a time I was really religious. And when I'm saying that, don't be confused. <laughs> I didn't even know God. I was not saved, but I was religious. I was filled with fear, fear of people, fear of what I'd look like, fear of you know, making a spectacle of myself. I truly remember what last night I joked about. If you've never raised your hands before in worship, you know, just start right here. Man, I did that. There's a YouTube video. <laughs> a lot of you have seen it. Encouraging you. Charismatics, that'd be us, right? Worship. And he had names for all of them. You kind of started here, and then you kind of get here. And you kind of get the one up. And you, you, know, and you do the pointing thing and the waving thing. Whatever it is, but what's clear in the Scripture is, if you were like me, I was taught and modeled in a very unbiblical way to worship. If you were like me, you grew up in a church, if you grew up in a church where you walked in, you sat down, and you shut up. I was trained very young. I realized and discovered there was a bench outside the front door of the church. When I didn't do it properly, as far as what I was supposed to do in the church, my dad would take me out and we'd have a prayer meeting. 
the prayer was his hand on my rear end. And then he'd tell me, now quit crying, we're going to go in because you can't be making noise. Yeah, you know, you sing very properly. You do, you know, and I'm not trying to make fun of, but it's just not biblical. I shared some psalms. And I'm going to just go through a couple of them real quick. Listen to these. This is, this is instruction. We're to worship, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and everything within me, mind, will, my emotions, my affections, everything within me, I want to pour it out in praise and worship. And then the psalmist goes on and writes in 138, I will give thanks with all my heart. I'll sing praises. I will bow down before you. Psalm 66, I shout joyfully to God. I mean, last night I really stretched our visitors. I told them, let's shout. And if you go into most churches and shout, they'll escort you out the door. The psalmist writes, shout to the Lord. Why? Because there's such an exuberance in you, you can't not shout to the Lord. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Holy Spirit wants to declare and shout about the victory of Jesus. He wants to point us to Jesus. Shout before the Lord. Bow before the Lord. Psalms 149. Praise His name with dancing. Dancing. What does that mean? Are we, oh, you guys are just in the flesh. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I can't judge their heart. I hope you're not trying to. But there should be such an exuberance that we're going to dance before Him. I can't not do it can't not and it's hard for me because i'm so big and clumsy but there's something inside that just uh, wants to kids told me age is not a chronological thing so i was uh, you know able to participate in my limited way but dance before him praise him with the trumpet the harp the lyre the stringed instruments loud cymbals resounding cymbals lift your hands in the sanctuary clap your hands and shout to god that's the biblical way to worship now let me ask that rhetorical question. Do we worship the Lord with all our soul? Do we bless Him with all our soul, all that's in us? And my exhortation is simply this. Pray and ask God for freedom just to worship Him. To worship Him in complete freedom. Not caring. You know, when I stand up here, I realize, geez, there's almost 200 people standing behind me looking at me going, what a clumsy oaf. I thought that way at one time. Now there's 300 people looking at me thinking, wow, what a clumsy oaf. <laughs> but I don't care anymore. If you, you, just, you just need to ask him. And that's the benefit I want to talk about today and begin, and we'll be doing this for a few weeks. I don't even know how long, but we're going to be talking about one of the benefits that the psalmist David, he writes, forget not his benefits. He tells you to worship like that, and he just doesn't leave you hanging, and you're going, geez, I wonder why we're supposed to get so silly. He tells you. He tells us. He has forgiven or pardoned all your iniquities. All the sin, all the acts of sin that you committed, he's forgiven them. The penalty for that sin, he's wiped it away. He doesn't look at it anymore. Bless him with all your soul. He heals all your diseases. Now, I know from most of our religious backgrounds, we don't go there. And even for some of us that believe that it's in the Bible, we're almost afraid to believe and pray that way because it doesn't always work the way we want it to work. It doesn't always happen the way we want it. It doesn't matter. 
It's not up to us how it happens or whether it works or works the way we want it to. The Bible just tells us we're to pray. Lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. We are to pray. I mean, we had demons being cast out of people tonight. Now, I'm sorry, visitors, if you think that's really weird. I got more things weirder than that. But the Bible says, you will cast out demons in my name. And they'll be free. Most people, it's not even in your religion. So if that's the problem with a person, they're demon-bound, and we won't even go there, they're never going to get set free. Never. What's the worst thing that can happen? You try to cast out a demon and there wasn't one there. Big deal. But if the Holy Spirit prompts you, and he says we can do all these things, forgetting not our benefits, and without the Holy Spirit, we don't understand, and we don't apply, and we don't re- embrace and really put those things to work, because the Holy Spirit is critical in his function to help us in all those things. So who is the Holy Spirit? You know, <clears throat> when I was growing up and younger, and if we heard about the Holy Spirit, he wasn't called the Holy Spirit. He was called something else. Holy what? Ghost. Now, I don't like ghosts. I, I pick, you know, every time I hear the Holy Ghost, now I'm going to really date myself, because most of you people have probably never heard of Casper. He was a friendly ghost. How many of you heard of Casper the Friendly Ghost? All right, there's a few people under 30. I, I can't help myself when I hear somebody says, Holy Ghost, I don't care if it's in a meeting, and they go, Holy Ghost. I'm thinking, jeez, Casper. I, if I think a ghost, it either scares me or I want to laugh. That's my problem. I'm dealing with that. How do you see the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit, or is He just a what? What is the Holy Spirit, or is He just an it? I got it. You got what? I got the Holy Spirit. You got Casper? If we don't understand who He is, we're not going to be able to embrace what He can do and the benefits that are given to us by God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God in the Spirit. Jesus in the Spirit. The three are one. I don't understand that. But it's true if I believe the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is a person. No less than Jesus was when He was on the earth. Just in a different form. No different than the Father. And I'm not sure what His form is, but I know that we were created in His image. Whatever that means. He is a person. Maybe we'll look at some of the attributes one of these weeks. But we go through the attributes, everything that it says about him, it's like it's talking about a person. He can be grieved. He's a person. He can be called upon as a person. He's a person. And when you're born again and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that person lives and dwells in you and me. Now, that sounds so nice, maybe, to you. But if it only sounds nice, we're missing the boat. You know what? What raised Jesus from the dead? The power of the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. The power of the Holy Spirit 
resides in me and in you. That ought to change your attitude about who you really are in Christ. Not about me, but the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, lives and dwells in me. He's not just a force. He's certainly not Casper. He's not just an essence. He's just not an it. He's a person. Jesus teaches us that he's a person. In John chapter 14, it starts out, and I shared some of this last week, with Jesus comforting his disciples. He starts out in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on and he starts to tell them, Hey guys, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm going to be leaving. And he's trying to prepare him for his arrest and death. Burial. And also trying to inform them that there's going to be a resurrection. That's when I'm going to leave. The ascension. And he goes on and he, he gives some explaining. He talks about one with the, oneness with the Father. And then he gets down towards the end in verses 13 and 14 and 15. And at the end of verse 15, he said, 14, he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Wow, that's pretty cool. Anything in my name. As long as our asking aligns with his will, which the Holy Spirit will reveal to us in our asking. And then he says, and if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Holy cow. Does that mean if I break some, if I sin, I don't love him? Is that what that means? How many of you know that's impossible to never sin again? You will. How are we going to ever, you know, if you study this, it's talking about continually, habitually, consciously sinning. If you're truly saved, you can't do that. It won't happen. But I'm looking at it and I think, I can't do that in my own strength at all. And that's when he goes into talking about the Holy Spirit. Revealing the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start reading a little bit here. Well, I'm going to actually turn to 1 John 1 first. 1 John, if you want to turn back there, or maybe it's on the screen, I think, isn't it? Somebody look behind my head. It's just like magic. Casper's in the house. Jesus is going to teach about the Holy Spirit. And he's going to, the, the word that he's going to use is paraclete or parakletos. And it's a word that we really don't have just one word to explain the possible meanings of that word parakletos in the, in the Greek. But it's really interesting to me because he, what he says is, I'm going to send you, I'm going to ask the Father to send you another parakletos. But if you read in 1 John 2.1, he says, My little children, he's so gentle, I am writing these things to you that so you may not sin. But if anyone sins, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Who's the advocate? Jesus. You know what that word advocate is in the Greek? Parakletos. It's the very same word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit. Jesus on earth was the parakletos. Parakletos or paraclete means the one who comes alongside you. He can be your teacher. He can be your comforter. He can be all of these things. 
as he comes alongside you. For us, Jesus came alongside us and became our Redeemer. It's interesting that in the Father's plan of redemption, all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, had a role to play. Part of his plan. God the Father's plan is implemented when he decides to send his Son. He says to Jesus, here's the deal. I have this plan and you're going to have to go to earth and you're going to suffer and die and you're going to experience the fullness of my wrath against sin so that I can prepare for you a bride, the church. Jesus, fully aware of what all that meant, agrees. And he comes. So Jesus' role in this redemption, the Father is the sender and it's his plan. Jesus' role is to come and make atonement for our sin. What does that mean, make atonement for our sin? The Bible was clear, the wages of sin is death. That blood had to be shed. And it had to be a perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus. He came as the one to make atonement. He was the sacrifice. That was his role. And the atonement was made. And his role was finished. And his reward was to go back to the heaven with the Father where he'd been for eternity in the past. And we read in Scripture when Jesus is talking about this, he says, oh God, return me to the glory that I once had with you. He had to set aside some things when he came to earth. Jesus could only be in one spot at one time. He could talk to a large crowd, but that's it. He was not that omnipresent God that we know God to be. He set some, some of his virtue aside. Not his divinity, he was still God. All God, all man. But his role was finished, and that's why he says, you know what, guys? It's going to be better that I go. Because if I stay, the Holy Spirit will not come. In part of God's plan, Jesus had to come, fulfill his part in the plan, and when he finished the plan, he ascended back to the Father, and he went to the Father. And he told the disciples, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit, the one that has been promised to you. And the Holy Spirit now has a role. And not to overemphasize the Holy Spirit, but I think we need to talk about him more because we've underemphasized him for so long in the churches. We can all sort of relate to God the Father. We can relate to Jesus. I mean, how many of you don't have a picture of him on your wall? We don't know what he really looked like, but we, can we relate? He was a human being. He got hungry. He got tired, just like us. They put holes in his hands and feet. We can relate to all those things. But the Holy Spirit, if I ask you to introduce me to Holy Spirit, what, what do you do with that? He has a role to play. And Jesus is saying, if I don't go, he won't come. I want to read in John chapter, let's see, where do I want to go first? 14, starting at verse 16. Jesus is now following, this is following up just on where he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you just left there, you hang in there, you go, oh my goodness, how do I do this? How is that even remotely possible? Jesus says, I will go and I will ask the Father and he will give you another We'll give you another helper. Depending on your translation, the word helper may not be the same. But if you all had the Greek in front of you, it would all be the same word. Parakletos. Paraclete. 
I will send you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm leaving. You're not going to be alone. God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he will be with you forever until I return because I am coming back. And then it continues. It says, after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in the Father. You listen to these words and think about them. I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but he's in me. How is he in me? He's in me by the Holy Spirit, his Spirit, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is in me. He says he is in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him by the Holy Spirit. It's not about perfectionism, because none of us are going to be made perfect in this life. But it's about appropriating all the things, the benefits of the atonement, what Jesus did. The Holy Spirit is coming to implement in our lives what Jesus accomplished for us. The Holy Spirit our paraclete, coming. Another. The word another. I'm going to send you another. That has a couple of meanings. It can mean another as in just numerically. There you go, thanks. Numerically. Another. But the deeper meaning and the meaning here is another just like the original. So basically, you say, I'm going to send you a comforter just like me. It's going to look different. I'm going to come, or ascend to the Father, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and He's going to take my place. All the things that I would have been doing for you, guiding you, teaching you, instructing you, encouraging you, comforting you, setting you free, delivering you, healing you, all the things I would do, the Holy Spirit's coming to do those things, to apply those things in our life. The comforter. He's given for so many reasons. First of all, it was given because that was the Father's plan. It was what he was supposed to do next. Send Jesus. Jesus does his job. Send the Holy Spirit to do his job. His job is not going to end until Jesus comes back. He is the divine agent. We're, you know, last night, I apologize for me, me scattering here because there's so many things going on in my head right now that not only can I separate them, I don't even know what they all mean. <laughs> but last night, I had the opportunity to pray with a number of people to accept Jesus Christ for the first time. Man, I, I was so articulate. I was so awesome. I was so clear. I was so concise. And that's all a bunch of crap. I mean, the little kids are gone, right? Okay. I could have given the greatest oration ever, and it wouldn't have done a thing. You and I can't convince anybody of anything that will change their heart. You realize that? We can say a lot of things. We can use the Word of God like we should. But you know what? If it wasn't for the agent of the Holy Spirit changing the other person's heart, nothing would happen. The Holy Spirit working. 
in us, through us. The Holy Spirit, that's how critical it is. He is the agent that works through us. He is God's representation on earth today. He helps us to carry out the work. You know, what a, what a calling to go into all the world and be my witnesses. He said, I'm coming to help you. I'm going to send somebody to help you be my witness. He's going to give you the words to speak. He's going to give you the boldness to speak them. And I'm going to change the heart of the hearer so that they respond. I'm on your side. I'm going to come alongside you as the paracletos. So let's go to work together. You know, the problem is we forget he's there. We forget some of the benefits. We forget he's there. So now we're trying in the flesh and we get scared. We get fearful, intimidated, and we don't go do. But the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and you know you're supposed to. That unction, you ever get that feeling? I really think I'm supposed to go do, fill in the blank. And I know that must be me. I'm not going to go do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't expect us to bring about the change. That's his job. He will do that. And we have the privilege of being part of the process as the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to do our part, but we cannot take on the responsibility of doing his part. That's the only way that we'll really have a freedom and a boldness to do the things that are out of our comfort zone. You know that, that uh, the Holy Spirit wants to expand your comfort zone. You all have one? You know, you really hate it when he's trying to pull you out of it? Let this mindset settle in. His comfort zone is endless. All I have to do is respond and let him take care of the rest. You know, we prayed for a lot of people last night that we didn't get to see anything happen in our natural eyes. Does that mean we were all failing? God wasn't working? Uh, not, not in a million years is that what happened. We planted the seed. We did what we we're supposed to do. And it's his job to take it from there. And when you do that, when you get that mindset, realizing the Holy Spirit is part of God's perfect plan, he's an agent to come alongside of us, all of a sudden we can operate in peace. We can operate in freedom. We just do what he puts on our heart. And remember, he's a person. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, what, what, what would you do? If you're working alongside me and we got to, you know, when I'm, I like to help, I like to help carpenters. I like to build things. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And my wife's up here just, <laughs> oh, geez. But I, I'm okay with that. You know what I do? I ask them, what can I do? What should I do? How can I help? Point me in the right direction. Don't give me a hammer. <laughs> Holy Spirit's a person. Ask Him. Ask Him. He has the mind of Christ. He's God. Ask Him. If He wants you to do something, guess what? He'll tell you. Listen. And as soon as we start listening, we start getting nervous. And then we start questioning and wondering. For those of you that are visitors and first time you ever heard a message in tongues given in a church or anywhere else, what's your first thought? Oh my gosh, what in the heck was that? Where's the door? I can guarantee you, 
Johnny was fighting inside. Is this me? Am I getting emotionally fired up? Or is it God? Well, the Bible tells us there should be an interpretation. I was up here going, oh boy, God, I don't know if what I got is the interpretation or not. I still don't. Did it work for anybody? Did it sound like a minister? Maybe it You step out by faith. You do what the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do. We give grace to make mistakes. But respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting. And maybe there's some people that never have nervousness when the Holy Spirit's stretching your comfort zone, but I'm just not one of them. It always makes me nervous. I almost always ask the question, Holy Spirit, is that really you or is this me? And then I sit there and wait, and I hear an audible voice from God say, no, it's me. Now, that doesn't happen. That does not happen. So, okay, I go, okay, Lord. I'm going to step out in faith. Trust you. I don't know what to do. You know, one of the things that the Lord has used, God, I'm just rambling. I won't ramble much longer, I promise. One of the things the Lord has chosen to use me in my ministry is counseling. You know, for all of you that have met with me, I, got, I hate to even say this, but I usually have no idea what I'm doing. I am not a counselor. I have never been trained. I've never took a class. I've read a lot of books. I was motivated by fear. But I do know a counselor that knows everything. He knows everything about you and your situation. He knows everything. And man, before you come into my office, I want you to know my prayer is, God, I don't have a clue. But you do. Speak to me. Reveal the word to me that might be impactful here. Show me what I can say that would bring glory to you and might help that, that you can use. That's the way we need to minister. In everything. Every day. Wherever the God gives you an opportunity. On the streets, in the workplace, in the local bar, wherever it is. Holy Spirit, show me. And then just do what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Do I always know 100% that what I'm doing is exactly what the Holy Spirit told me to do? How many of you know the answer to that? No, I don't. I love it when I know that I know that I know that I know. Boy, that's hard to define theologically. But I do. A lot of the time, <laughs> boy, I hope this is God. So it doesn't destroy somebody. But we put our trust in Him. Just do what He calls us to do. The work of the Holy Spirit. He comforts His disciples. He's a comforter. Parakletos. He teaches us and reminds us of the truth. He's a teacher. The Parakletos. He aids them in their work that we can't possibly do on our own. He is the one that brings a sinner to repentance. Boy, it was so much fun last night. I told so many people last night. I've never had so much fun. I preached my short message, and the first person came forward, and the next thing I knew in the room that was going on is I heard Brian saying, well, we're going to do a couple more songs before we quit. And I'm like, really? This is so much fun. The Holy Spirit was changing hearts. I got to pray with four people to accept Christ, three people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and a whole bunch of people to be healed. And it's not because I had a clue what I was doing. Well, I had a clue. But I had no power to make anything I was doing be effective. But the Holy Spirit was moving. 
And as Brian said this morning, you got the same Holy Spirit as anybody else in this room. Anybody else that knows Jesus as the Lord and Savior. I mean, it's so cool to watch our young people come forward and pray for these people. I just wonder, you know, so many of these people are visitors, never been here before. I just wonder what goes through their mind when they come forward and say, geez, I'm, I'm, le- I'm functionally blind. Will you pray for me? Yeah, one of our young kids comes up and starts laying hands on them. I'm going, yes. They've got more faith than me. It's awesome. But responding to the Holy Spirit. He is the one who enables us and gives us a boldness to go before anyone. In the Scripture, it says you're going to go before kings and magistrates. Uh, Peter, the fisherman, is going, yeah, right, Lord. See the way I'm dressed? Before kings and magistrates. We don't have to be afraid of going before anyone. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to have a certain degree. You don't have to smell right. Well, that helps. But you don't have to. You just need to be willing. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. It would be good right now, Holy Spirit, if you help me. We're going to look in Acts next week. And we're going to look at these scriptures, chapter 1. Where Jesus says to him, you know, I'm going to leave. And it turns out it was about 10 days later. or That day he left. He says, but I want you to stay in Jerusalem. There was about 10 days that they had to stay in Jerusalem. We talked about this a little last week. And he says, I want you to stay there. I came to die that my church would be established and would spread throughout the world. And that's important. But this is more important. You need to go to Jerusalem and stay there. Stay there until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I will, you will be baptized in not many days from now in the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power to overcome sin in our life that we can be a testimony and a witness to God. A power that we are able to stand in boldness with love sharing the truth of the Gospel. The power of the Holy Spirit to transform you and I into the image of Christ. Wow, that's a power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And he says, I want you to wait. And then he says, you're going to go be my witnesses. Now, we sometimes think of that means going to be a missionary somewhere or you know, across the street, wherever. And that's true. There is that aspect of being a witness. But I've got to tell you guys, your lifestyle is the first witness anybody sees. And if your lifestyle witness sucks, whoops, isn't good, <laughs> If it isn't good, if it's not good, the words that follow are worthless. To be my witnesses, the power to change who Mike was into something a little bit better than what he was before. And as we listen to the Holy Spirit, we're transformed more and more and more. You know what? I love a testimony that you have been delivered from drugs and alcohol and you were in jail. And I love all those testimonies because it shows the transformation power of Christ. I love these testimonies over here that are even better. I never succumbed to drugs or alcohol. I never cheated on my wife. I never was, I've never been in jail. I've never, God delivered me from all those things, set me free of all, I did not even happen to experience them. But whatever your testimony is, 
It needs to be a witness. And it needs the power of the Holy Spirit to be a good witness. So when he says that, I need you to wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're baptized in power, that I will transform your life, I will empower your message, and I'm going to go ahead of you, and I'm going to change people's hearts. And we're going to change the world. And those crazy 11, 12 disciples turned the world upside down. Just think of that. 2,000 years ago, a little more, like 2,000 years ago, these 12 guys. Look where Christianity has come. Oh, there's been a lot of bumps along the way. The word or the label Christianity has been abused badly throughout history. But the real church, the church of Jesus Christ, has been established and grown for all those years. And it started with 12 guys. 12 guys. We've got way more than 12 in here. You know, we sometimes talk about we can impact a whole community, a region, and it sounds like you know, fluff. Yeah, right. Reality is we can change a community. We can change a region. Our witness, our testimony, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can change our community. We can change our relationships. We can change the environment in our homes. We can change the environment in a workplace. We can change all of those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our goal in the next couple, couple weeks, whatever, is to get more acquainted with the Holy Spirit, become more effective in hearing the Holy Spirit, understanding what it is He wants to do in a better way so that we can go forth like those 12 and impact the world that we live in. Your sphere of influence and mine. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, <coughs> I thank you for today. I pray, Lord, that you can use what I've shared. Father, I pray if anything that's confusing or all me, just let it fall to the ground and not do any damage. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit in each one of us. Give us a greater sensitivity to hear your voice. That we would bring glory and honor to you. Father, I pray that as we go this week, you watch over us, keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen.